0: Hey there listeners welcome to horror movie club the show where two dudes who aren't quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review i'm Oshfin and i'm on the phone with brian and this week we're going to be talking about the 2006 film hatchet written and directed by adam green and starring joel david moore kane Hodder, dion richmond and tamara feldman in this film a group of tourists find themselves lost in the swamps of new orleans and facing off against a brutal killer on Mardi Gras. If you're newer to our show, we're going to have a spoiler-free discussion up front, where we'll just talk about the background of the movie. We'll take a quick break, we'll play some music, and then we'll come back, discuss the plot, get the spoilers, and then get into our review. Um, Brian, before we jump into this, any new Patreon subscribers to call out? Um,
1: You know, I think we had one, but I, I've been saving them for the bigger episodes where people are more likely
0: to hear their names called. Oh, okay. Good call. So I'll keep it in my back pocket. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Keep it a um, secret until then. But
1: I, I will announce this one. I wouldn't call it a request, but Mike L kind of urged me. He kind of said, oh, you guys should cover that at some point because he heard us mention it in a recent episode. Cool. And so I put it on the list as a result of that conversation right before you looked at the list to pick your choice and you picked it
0: yeah yeah that's a great uh, suggestion thanks mike um and it, yeah that, that part kind of shocks me like there are three or four of these films this franchise has been around since the this one in 2006 um but it was pretty re- relatively unknown to me until you mentioned it maybe a few months ago uh was this has this been on your radar for a while
1: um yeah it has just because i feel like People talk it up a little bit in, in horror circles, and there's some toys. <laughs> I, I feel like I've heard Victor Crowley mentioned. He I think part of the reason it gets talked up is because he is, we've talked about in other episodes, and I think the reason we brought this up in a recent episode, there aren't that many slasher icons post-1980s, mm-hmm. like slasher villains who are iconic. And I think that Victor Crowley, the villain from Hatchet, comes closest. Yeah. Until you get to Art the Clown.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I mean, yeah, when you think about franchises with new killers, uh, this one definitely makes that mark. Though, how many people know about this? I mean, I I didn't know about it. Uh, the, the box office numbers are low. The franchise has basically all gone to direct streaming or DVD. Like, how well known is this film?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's not super well known. Just among... Hardcore horror fans, probably. Okay, like Michael. People can let us know too. Yeah, like Michael.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm curious because obviously they did something here to win the rights to. uh Yeah, keep keep the franchise going, and there are four films. Um, I'm sure you've. Do you happen to know the years that each of those films came out?
1: <laughs> H- Hatchet in 2006, Hatchet Two in 2010, Hatchet Three in 2013, and Victor Crowley in 2017. Cool. And like you said, the box office is low. It only got 208000 At least that's what's on Box Office Mojo on a budget reported of $1.5 mm-hmm. But it only played in 93 theaters. So it didn't have much of a release. Uh, I heard Adam Green say that there was zero promotion for it. Right. So its box office is a little bit misleading. It also had an NC-17 rating for a while. So hmm. it sounds like some theaters were not willing to take it it eventually got cut to an r i don't know the whole story there but the director adam green make it made it sound like some of the bigger chains chains just were a no-go on it because of that nc-17 even though it ultimately was released with an r
0: interesting yeah yeah two two things on that uh so yeah the, the the box office is so low and limited release did you see the rental uh revenue though and how much it made on sales i didn't see that no I think it made $6 million on rentals and $8.2 million in sales. So, uh, yeah, very limited box office number, but definitely made out pretty well on, on the home viewings. And then, yeah, in terms of getting promotion, I, I think it brings up a really interesting point around what was going on in horror around that time in 2006-2007 um you know like we were talking in our 2022 review like how many films we saw like in the top 30 of, of like the box office right like you had nope smile uh black phone etc like at least three or four movies yeah um but you, you look at like the few years like 2005 six seven all you see is like a saw part two three or four or something like one film they're like i feel like this was like a very low period for horror and a lot of like uh distributors or studios weren't taking gambles on like funding a new franchise or anything. Uh, You you get that sense? Yes for sure and Adam Green talked about that as well like
1: and I think they used something that a studio exec had told them as an advertisement for the film at a movie festival or something like Mm -hmm. it's not a he's basically like we can't make this movie because it's not a sequel it's not a remake and it's not based on a Japanese film like
0: <laughs> those are the requirements Yeah, <laughs> isn't that crazy
1: it is crazy and I think that it's easy to frown upon this time period and we were kind of talking about it in the discord server too but there were foreign, foreign horror was starting to come on the scene around this time and a lot of the best movies from the aughts are foreign horror mm. and there are a lot of new French extremity movies around this time for example you can lump those in with torture porn though And there was independent stuff. Like, the major studios were doing just remakes. Yeah. uh,
0: And, yeah, the torture porn. Right. Yeah, I feel like just this year, this 2006 year, you had, like, the remake of The Omen, The Hills Have Eyes, Black Christmas or Xmas at that time. So, yeah, just, like, all these remakes popping out. Not much, like, original stuff. Uh, Crazy, yeah. I mean, such a wild uh, dynamic back then. And crazy how far, like, we've come from that.
1: Yeah, Hustle Two, I think. Was the Hustle same Two, name. Is like, oh, okay. I feel like it. Um, yeah. Also, this is maybe a little bit telling of the telling of the times too. I've stumbled upon this a few times in our research. I feel like it exists on Wikipedia and nowhere else. But they called Adam Green a member of the Splat Pack. Hmm. Do you What's remember that? Re- referring to that in the past? No. It's basically it was coined by Alex jo- Allen Jones of Total Film Magazine, and it's. People like Eli Roth, Rob Zombie, James Wan, Neil Marshall, Ah. Alexandra Aja. Low budgets and extreme violence that kind of brought R-rated horror back after a spat of PG-13 once, Mm. you know, a la The Ring or whatever in the late 90s and early 2000s. Sure. But I don't hear anyone in horror circles ever. (laughs) Unless it's just outside of the horror circles I'm aware of yeah call ever refer to the splat pack so the splat. Pack. So maybe this was a thing <laughs> at the time or it yeah. just is something someone's trying to force sure
0: maybe alan was- jones is getting in there and editing wikipedia pages <laughs> yeah exactly it's a term damn it yeah <laughs> uh and yeah this would have been like a five six year period like 2002 to like 2007 8 or something
1: yeah i would i would say so
0: okay yeah yeah makes makes sense um yeah, wild. And and then uh I think yeah, also on the other point of like other studios not picking up on it, did you read about how he eventually just kind of like took out a credit card loan and booked out a theater um like for four thousand dollars and had a free screening and that kind of brought the buzz and brought everyone in and finally got distributors to the table. Oh nice, that's awesome. Yeah,
1: it sounds like this was really a fan backed movie. The story behind this movie is really appealing. Yeah. And I don't know much about Adam Green, but hearing him talk about the movie is really interesting. Yeah. It's it's a very much horror fans type of movie, and I think that's part of the reason it's big in hardcore right. horror, horror circles.
0: Yeah. Back, Backgrounds. It's good. It, it, it really interesting, because like you have these huge heavyweights like uh, Robert England, Kane Hodder, and uh, Tony Todd. Showing up, and if you read about like how he got them in, it was just like random jobs he was working, or like random parts he would play on on small films, where he'd like get to meet these people, and they would agree to work with him. So yeah, for this really cool mix of like DIY, just like a kind of organic, like he was on the scene for like ten years trying to make this happen. And, uh, yeah, eventually just like booking his own theater to, to get the buzz about it going. Nice. Getting the old Wishmaster crew back together, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. T- all, all three of these were in, uh, these guys, right? We're in Wishmaster. Yeah. Kane Hodder, Tony Todd, and Robert Englund were all in that movie. <laughs> Wait, that was a uh, nineties though, right? I think it was 96. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> what if these three like just kind of showed up in random films together? <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. It's weird. Um, but yeah, th- this is, uh, this dude's first feature film, I believe. Uh, and then he would later on go to do Hatchet 2 and 3. He also did a movie called Frozen, which, uh, I'm a fan of. Have you seen that one?
1: I haven't seen it. I've heard good things about it. Ah, oh, like man, survival yeah. horror from 2010.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's, it's worth checking out. It's, it's, a, it's a really good film. Sticks nice. with Maybe me.
1: I'll check that out over Christmas this year.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's a good one. Good, good, a holiday film. Um, what genre wise, like, what, what do you think? Slasher? Oh, yeah. Slasher through and through. and An homage to 1980s slashers.
1: For sure. And, and a revival of them.
0: Yep. And uh, I, I see horror comedy put on this. Do you think it's uh, it falls into comedy? Yeah, sure. It does.
1: It does. I think it could have leaned a little harder or a little softer, but yeah, I Wait, would say har- it
0: counts. Harder or softer? Yeah. It's kind of straddling a weird line. Where it's like not clearly comedy or it's like- It's not a- like- yeah. You know, maybe it is clearly horror comedy. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think. Uh, yeah. We'll talk about that as we go through the plot. It's a kind of a unique blend of both of those elements. Right. Right. Yep.
1: Um, This dude also has a podcast. He's a fellow horror movie
0: podcaster.
1: Oh, no way. What's the podcast called? Mo- the Movie Crypt. He does it with Joe Lynch, who is the director of Mayhem. Cool. And I've listened to it on occasion to uh, to hear their interviews with directors. Oh, that's what they do. Okay. Cool. I think not always, but they frequently have had interviews with directors on their show.
0: Oh, wow, that's awesome. I'll have to check that out. Um, and then uh, the other big name I think to call out here is John Buechler. Is that how you say it? Yeah, Buechler actually is how you pronounce it. Buechler. Okay, yeah. Special effects artist. Uh, he did a movie we just reviewed, Reanimator. He also did the special effects for Friday the 13th, Part 7, New Blood. Um, Nightmare on Elm Street, Dream Master, Halloween 4, so uh, yeah, kind of a heavy hater on the special effects side.
1: Yeah, for sure. He directed Friday the 13th, Part 7, The New Blood as
0: well. Oh, damn, really? Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah, he
1: passed away in 2019, sadly, but he's done a lot of great effects work. And this is, I mean, just if you're one of those people who listens to the first part and then goes, maybe you'll watch the movie based on that. This is a very effects-driven movie, and the effects, I think, are universally praised. There's, mm-hmm. there's great practical effects in this movie;
0: they really are. They stand out, and I think the dude was, at uh, Adam Green, was against using CGI, and you can kind of tell as you go through this. Like these are all great practical effects.
1: Yeah, I think he had. He seemed to have a lot of pride in the movie. I mean, I think any good director does, but he had a certain way he wanted to do it. He honored that. He honored the people he was working with, it seems, at least in the way he speaks about it. I've also noticed, I don't know if this was intentional or just my imagination, the end credits went slower than usual, so you could actually read (laughs) everyone's name and the jobs they did. I just have a feeling he was kind of like, we're doing this, we're doing it right, and I I wanted to pivot horror into a new direction, or maybe back into an old direction.
0: Sure. Sure. So he had like a clear vision and yeah, kind of uncompromising on that.
1: Yeah. I get yeah. that sense at least.
0: That's cool. Yeah. I wonder if that carries through for the rest of the franchise. Um, Even the rest of the franchise, I I can't speak to that. I haven't seen
1: it, but right. he wrote, produced, and directed all of, the, all of them with mm-hmm. the exception of Hatchet 3, which he wrote and produced, but did not direct.
0: Uh, okay. Okay. Cool. Damn. Good for him. Uh, and uh, what Oh any of the cast here that you're familiar with Um, I Recognized Joel David
1: Moore who is from Dodgeball and Grandma's Boy hmm. He's also got a role in Avatar And Avatar the Way of Water
0: No way <laughs>
1: Yeah. Oh dude and Joshua Leonard who played Ainsley In the opening scene
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, Robert England's son
0: He's Josh from the Blair Witch Project Oh uh, was Josh the camera guy Or the audio guy
1: Oh, shit. I can never remember. Even when yeah. I'm watching Blair Witch Project, I can't keep track of which one's the camera yeah. guy and which one's the audio guy. But yeah.
0: Uh, that's really cool. I, yeah. I feel like I never see those three in another film. That, that's awesome. I know, right? Yeah. So that, that's interesting. Cool. Cool. Nice. Uh, what other background you got for us?
1: Uh, I don't know if you mentioned Rotten Tomatoes, 55% oh. from critics, 45% from users. Mm-hmm. Um I was listening to an interview with Adam Green where he made it sound like the MPAA was just a total dick to him <laughs> and just like kind of almost using him as an example because he wasn't from like a major studio movie. Mm. I couldn't quite piece it all together and didn't have time to research it more, but it sounded like he had a really rough experience with them. Ah, That's tough. But yeah. I believe what we watched and what is available widely now is the the NC-17 cut. Okay, cool. So good news there. He came up with this hatchet face origin story at age eight at a summer camp. Right. Uh, the, the villain's not called a hatchet face in the movie, but I think that was the story from camp is, oh, there's a villain hatchet face. And then I think he made up the backstory.
0: Oh, okay, cool. For the rumored villain or whatever. Yep. Uh, both of which, I mean, uh, what would you say on like level originality? I mean, it sounds like something an eight year old come up with after watching like Friday the 13th or something, right? Or like The Burning.
1: It does, yeah, but it's also pretty impressive to come up with when you're eight. I guess. Yeah. But it does have a <laughs> lot of similarities to both Friday the 13th and The Burning. Yeah, yeah, you could definitely tell the influence. Yeah, which is fine if, if it serves as an homage to those type of movies. Sure,
0: sure, that's fair.
1: I don't have a whole lot of other stuff I want to touch upon. If uh, you don't have anything else, I'll do the Ohio Connection.
0: Let's hear the Ohio Connection.
1: All right, every movie we watch is connected to our home state of Ohio by our friend Alex, who owns the jukebox bar and restaurant in Cleveland, Ohio. And Alex says, Hatchet is a slasher film written and directed by Adam Green, starring longtime character actor Joel David Moore. Many will recognize Moore for his portrayal of Dr. Norm Spellman in the Avatar film series, as well as prominent roles in the films Dodgeball, A True Underdog Story, Grandma's Boy, and TV's Bones, and many others. In 2012, Moore starred in the political dark comedy Grassroots, directed by Stephen Gyllenhaal, poet, director, and father to actors Maggie and Jake Gyllenhaal. Stephen Gyllenhaal was born in Cleveland, Ohio.
0: Whoa, Gyllenhaal's from Cleveland, Ohio? I did, Yeah, I didn't that's know great. that. Yeah, that's awesome. Cool. Cool connection, Alex. Yeah, nice job. That's great. Uh, all right, anything else or ready to get into the plot and in the spoilers? Let's get into spoilers. Cool. Hey, before we do, though, do you mind if we take a quick break? I, I just got to check something on the laundry. Sure. All right, I'll be right back. Hey Brian sorry about that I'm back
1: Yeah everything good with the laundry?
0: Oh, uh, yeah. Everything's great. You know, I've, I've been noticing I've been having a little bit of itching down there, and I, I think it's this new set, uh, fabric softener I'm using. Uh, I, I think that's normal, right? Um, yeah, sure, sure. I'm sure it's a fabric softener. Yeah, <laughs> it's just definitely, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've noticed something's crawling around, but I, I'm assuming that's also part of the fabric softener. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, that happens. Pretty standard. <laughs> okay, cool. Just checking. <laughs> All right. Uh, so yeah, the, the, uh, I feel like this movie's got some uh, really funny lines uh, going on in the background. That like, uh, I don't know. Did, did you have subtitles on while you were watching this? I did not. Oh, I have I have stopped subtitles. What well, was it ruining our experience? No,
1: but I listen on headphones now, and I I I never uh, miss anything
0: now. Ah, okay. I still like to see it written out sometimes. I feel like I'm a visual learner. So sometimes (laughs) seeing the words on there. (laughs) That's fair. Yeah. All right. So uh, this movie starts with a father and son. The father's played by Robert England, um, the son by that guy from Blair Witch Project, apparently. They're on a boat in a swamp uh, down in New Orleans, and they're hunting an alligator. When the son steps away to take a leak, he comes back to find his father's body cut in half- and then he suddenly attacked and pulled apart by an unseen assailant. What would you think of this opening? Take a leak. <laughs> That's a slower it, right?
1: Do you use that in day-to-day conversation or uh, do you
0: just use that here for the first time in a long Just here. Time? Yeah, it's been a while actually. I was looking, had to check the spelling on <laughs> <laughs> is it like the vegetable? Is <laughs> it <laughs> You know,
1: a certain shape of poop could be called taking a leak. Oh really? If you spelled it L E E K. Oh yeah. <laughs> Depending on the shape. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Um Yeah, I mean it was a it was a fine fine opening, pretty gory. Um I don't have a whole lot to say about it. There's a a moment or two here and throughout the rest of the movie where I couldn't tell. If it was meant to be humorous, I think it is meant to be humorous. Where it just looks like they're throwing a bucket of blood at a tree. <laughs> like there's a few shots like that in the movie where it's just like just blood. Yeah, the shot itself is someone literally throwing a bucket of blood. Sure. Uh, so it's kind of amusing and yeah. great, great effects.
0: Yeah, I think right away you get hit with like this over the top type of violence and and gore with like the way he's ripped apart, and then like you see like the dad's insides sticking out as well.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Um, I, uh, the, you know, the, some of, I don't know if you felt this, but there's some like low production value throughout this whole film, and like it kind of hit me right here, like that the lighting around the swamp area was like pretty unnatural and like felt very bright. Um, did that jump out to you?
1: Yeah, I th- something felt unnatural, and that might be it. I, and I saw just tonight some people were doing a watch party of this movie in our Discord server, and... That was a common criticism, I think, just the
0: production values were low. Production value, and, and yeah, yeah, right. And I think throughout this film, yeah, yeah it's something you have to like, kind of get used to. Um, yeah, you can very much feel that it's a
1: movie being made. Right. Um, though, yeah, I, I, this was wild, though, when he, the hand like reaches into Ainsley's back and pulls out his organs. Like,
0: Yeah. I love when a hand can just go through flesh. I know. Uh, for, for me, like I, I didn't, uh, I wasn't sure that this was like a human. I thought maybe like an animal or something like, were you aware, like, were you sure that this was like a, a person doing this?
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I kind of got the sense of Victor Crowley being a f- Freddy, not a Freddy, a Jason
0: type killer. Oh, okay. Um, so you knew about like Victor Crowley going into this. I kind of had a general sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't know, like, he, all you hear is kind of, like, some growling, and then, yeah, like, him being ripped apart. Um, so, and, and we are like, just scared about an alligator, like, a, a few minutes before, so I, I thought maybe there's a chance there was, like, some kind of monster, like, uh, animal out there. Sure, but, half human, half gator. Yeah, exactly, one of those. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, decent enough opening scene, um, then the credits kick in, and you get your 2006 techno music, uh, which was really cool back then, but... Not so much anymore, I think, unless you're still into that.
1: I wouldn't call that techno music. That was a Marilyn Manson song.
0: What? It was? Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> That's even They worse. closed <laughs> with the same song. Oh, my God. Uh, I meant to write down some of the lyrics. It was, it was like embarrassingly bad. <laughs> so. Yeah, Marilyn Manson. Like
1: Some of his stuff still holds up. I was like, oh, this is actually kind of cool. Yeah. But, yeah, some of it is kind of embarrassing.
0: Yeah, yeah. I feel like it's 90s stuff, like beautiful people and stuff. Uh, There's something like cool, like uh, pretty neat sounds and textures. But then, yeah. I, I thought
1: beautiful there. people and sweet dreams were both pretty unique sounding things but then yeah, yeah as he, as he went on it was just like oh man yeah you' need <laughs> still to stop. doing this yeah <laughs>
0: yeah uh going back though to the low production value um would you consider this a low budget film given the budget was like 1.2 million
1: yeah I think that's commonly still thought of as a low budget movie
0: okay okay so we can forgive some of that here yeah
1: I think anything under five maybe even up to 10 is considered low budget these days
0: okay all right That sounds good. So then we jump to our main characters who are hanging out in New Orleans, and it's Mardi Gras. So we're um, shown a lot of uh, women with their tops off, typical kind of Mardi Gras behavior happening on the streets, a lot of drinking going on. And our main character, Ben, is hanging out with his friends, and he's trying to forget about his ex-girlfriend who just dumped him. He is bored of the whole Mardi Gras scene, and he drags his friend, Marcus, uh, out to sign up for a haunted boat ride um, that he's heard all, a lot about, and this is where we get a quick cameo where they run, run into uh, Tony Todd, who is supposed to be uh, a tour guide, but he is shut down due to insurance reasons. Uh, I, I like this cameo here. What, what did you think?
1: I guess it's kind of funny. I don't know. I, the opening <laughs> sequence here after the like
0: cold open... Just the humor was not landing for me. Here. It wasn't, yeah, yeah. I mean, because these guys all suck, right? Like this, this main character and his friends, yeah. like, yeah. yeah, they suck.
1: I mean, it stinks of that arts vibe that I talked down upon. I won't bring Carson Daly into this episode. But <laughs> you sure? It I very much watch.
0: has the same vibe as like the Wrong Turn, Eli Roth, sure, era of movies. Yeah, it does, but um, I can't. Like, I feel like compared to Wrong Turn. This one, uh, maybe because this is more of a, a horror comedy too, I think is making more fun at at, at them at their expense uh, versus maybe Wrong Turn was like taking them more seriously. Yeah, that's true.
1: This definitely has more character than Wrong Turn.
0: Yep, yep. And the characters have personalities. <laughs> yeah, and it, you know, I, I felt the same way. Like, I hated these guys to begin with, uh, but then, like, some of that banter between them it's kind of fun like he tells him the story about like the girl he slept with that had crabs but she claimed it was like Frabic softener and like there's just some like good scripting and like writing that's going on here where they're just kind of like digging at each other Uh, so I enjoyed some of that did you like that? I didn't really care for that what?
1: (laughs) you didn't care? yeah just like I feel like combined with like hey here's a bunch of boobs everywhere or just like oh this is just another like crude teen horror movie from the ops. like it
0: didn't differentiate itself from like hostile to me that much sure yeah i think you had that complaint in hostile too um uh, but i don't know for, for me for some reason like both of these movies start out with really hateable characters but something about like their dialogue uh just kind of feels like really rich and like the uh yeah the, the riffs that they have within each other just kind of builds out their character a little bit more and uh yeah i, I don't know They i, th- I think it, it it makes a fun dynamic that helps pull you into them sure but that's fair you. That's fair. I mean
1: effort is put into the dialogue to yeah, make that's funny just... lines and develop the characters and the
0: relationship.
1: Right. The effort is put in. I just it <laughs> wasn't wasn't vibing with me.
0: Got it. Okay. So uh they get on this boat ride that's led by this tour guide named Sean. Uh he we as the audience we can tell that this guy Sean is like pretty amateur on in his knowledge of uh these tours. Um and this he's like reading notes off of a note card. Um also, on the boat ride with them are our other characters, which includes Misty and Jenna, who are two aspiring softcore film actresses. Is that what you'd call them? <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a film director named Doug, an elderly Midwest couple named Jim and Shannon, and this mysterious local named Mary Beth. Uh, but yeah, what, what'd you think of, of this ensemble of characters?
1: I actually. The ensemble was decent. Did you notice the old guy Jim was played by the jump to Conclusions Matt guy from office space? Yeah,
0: I've seen this guy in like so many movies, man. he's he's like everywhere. I think he was in uh, oh, there's a TV show um grounded for life too that he used to be in. Um, oh, okay he he's been in so much stuff, but yeah, really. really I think things. he has.
1: he was in casino as well, I saw.
0: Oh, yeah, um, yeah. yeah, I, you know,
1: this was a decent set of characters to be on the boat with them. I wasn't wild about the whole, although this is another thing that really dates this movie. And I don't even know if younger fans would like totally understand. Eh, maybe they would. But like, this was very much a like riff on Girls Gone Wild. Right? Oh, totally. Yeah. Which before <laughs> internet porn was popular was a DVD <laughs> that you could send away for, probably a VHS first.
0: Yeah, just some dude with a camcorder. <laughs> like, yeah, and people, say- people
1: flashing. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's what this is. He says they're filming a movie called Bayou Beavers. (laughs) Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I thought this was like very of the times and a cool mix of characters to bring together. And uh, even like, uh, we talked about the two main characters, like riffing between them. Um, I I thought like how uh, the two actresses misty and jenna like one of them like went to nyu acting school and she's like holding it above the other um and yeah it's just some funny like dynamics that i think a lesser film wouldn't have like considered throwing in but this film went out of its way to kind of uh give some characterization
1: yeah that's fair something about there i just didn't like the whole vibe of like oh these are like stupid porn actresses and like every, <laughs> every funny line they say will be like From the source that they are idiots. Ah, Just, (laughs) I'm not trying to take the high road. Like, oh, this rubbed me the wrong way, and it's unfair. I just didn't find it that funny. Did you feel like it was was like like,
0: like, stereotyping too much?
1: Yeah, it just felt a little like the
0: same joke over and over again, different variations on the same thing. Sure, sure. Yep. Okay. So almost like these are like one or two dimensional characters.
1: Yeah. Right.
0: Got it. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. But I, I think what what works here is the intersection of all these characters. Like yeah, they're all like pretty like one or two line in terms of like who their character is. Um, but I, I think the, the combination of them all together creates some like interesting frictions going forward.
1: Yeah, and I think that is a better source of humor than just like the two girls bickering at each other about like stupid stuff or not right. knowing very simple facts that everyone knows. Like, there's a moment that I do think the comedy landed on where they ask what they're, the older couple asks what they're filming. And he says, Ever heard of Bayou Beavers? And the <laughs> old woman <laughs> says, No. And the old guy goes,
0: Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know what it was, man. Maybe I didn't uh, expect this was a comedy going into it. But I, like, I think that one, like, I, I laughed out loud. Like, that was... Yeah, that one so, got
1: me, too. That was good. <laughs>
0: yeah, that got me. And and just, like, the the way the humor's delivered, it's not, like, punchlines. It's more just, like, under-sold, like, uh, oh, he's, like, uh, the, our main guy, Ben, is trying to talk to Mary Beth, and she's just, like, I don't want to talk to you. I paid 30 bucks for this. And then you see the, the look on his face, because he just paid 40 bucks. And so it's not like these are even jokes. They're just, like, really funny, like, situations. Yeah, like, sure. Can,
1: Right. Yeah, that's good.
0: That's yeah, cool. yeah. I, I I enjoyed this. I, I I found it like pretty funny setup here.
1: I also uh, found it pretty funny how awkward Ben was, like, trying to make conversation. Like, yeah. do you have any pets?
0: And then his, you see his buddy's hand, just like, come it. out
1: and whack him on his, the
0: head. Yeah, that's so good. Or, like, the uh, it, yeah, his friend is, like, getting into talking to uh, that, that one woman, and then she scratches, like, her crotch, and he's just like, ah, oh, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed, like, the, the underlying humor here. Okay.
1: Uh, Ashwin's got a big old smile on his face.
0: I'm I'm interested to see
1: how the rest of this review goes.
0: I think, yeah. So the boat ride then uh, hits a bump. So yeah, they all go on the sport ride, but it hits a bump when the boat gets stuck on a rock in the middle of the bayou. Is the bayou the river? I I never understood what a bayou is. That's a really good question, man. I I always thought a bayou was a bay, which was just
1: like, a little section of water surrounded on three sides by land, kind of like uh, a little inlet of water, but
0: hmm, okay, kind of like a peninsula, like the water around a peninsula would be a bayou,
1: uh, yeah, like the water on either side of the peninsula, I guess.
0: Okay, got it. Um, but they're they're like in a swamp, right? Uh, yeah, they are in a
1: swamp. So yeah, I mean, would that be, boy? Sorry, everybody.
0: <laughs> yeah, my this geography, is just geography talk is terrible, yeah. from two <laughs> geography idiots. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm not really familiar with the layout of uh, New Orleans. I mean, I, I know there's water, then there's like a swamp area. Um, have you have you hung out there much? No, I after graduation we went there for like a night or two. Yeah, uh, saw a good friend of
1: mine get arrested, which was amusing. But oh, other damn. than that, I I was not taking any stock of the geography
0: there. Did you, you didn't go out to the swamp? No, no. We were on Bourbon
1: Street the whole time.
0: Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, I, I hear like the swamp tour is like a, a thing worth checking out, but yeah, I've, I've never checked it out either. I would be quite interested in that, actually. It's uh, a unique
1: e- ecosystem. I don't know much
0: about it. Yeah, I just don't think it's meant for like people. I think it's more meant for like animals and stuff and like alligators. So, uh, yeah, this is where the, these guys are. I think they're in the swamp on like some kind of water going on a boat that gets stuck and then um the tourists oh it suddenly starts to rain really bad causing the boat to sink and the tourists have to jump off the boat but on the way the husband of the midwest couple jim i believe gets bit by an alligator at this point mary beth fortunately has a handgun that she pulls out and shoots the alligator and it goes away now they're all stranded in the swamp because the boat has sunk and the group is worried They want to know why Mary Beth has brought a gun onto this tour and she lets it on that she's actually the daughter and brother of the two men we saw at the opening of the film and she came on this tour because she is looking for them. At this point, she also warns them all that these are the woods that are haunted by a person named Victor Crawley and we get this backstory that Victor Crawley was this kid that grew up in the area uh, raised by his dad but kids made fun of him because of the way he looked. And one day the kids burned the house while he, Victor was inside. And while he was trying to get out, he was accidentally killed by his dad who was trying to open the door with the hatchet. And uh, rumors exist now that he now haunts these woods. Um, what do you think of this backstory? I, I thought it was like very familiar to like other films that we've seen, but what did you think?
1: It is. It's very reminiscent of the burning in Friday the 13th, like we said. Right. Okay. Um, and it's pretty hokey in the flashback. You see Kane Hodder playing his dad, and he's, like, sitting in a chair, and then he just disappears with, like, a dissolve cut to, like, <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: show that he, like, spent the rest <laughs> d- of his days just wasting away in that house. Yeah. Uh, that was a little cheesy.
0: It is a little cheesy, yeah.
1: But it's fine. It works for a slasher story. As an homage, it, it makes sense. What did yep. you think?
0: Uh, I, I agree like yeah it, it, just, it just seems very, very similar very a lot of vibes of like the 80s and 70s slasher films um but uh yeah yeah, yeah kind of a cool break in the main storyline to kind of like cut back and it actually makes you feel something for Victor Crowley. like he doesn't seem like a terrible uh person here um and like we haven't seen him like it yet in in person in in present day but I don't know if it like did, did it make you like kind of uh sympathize for him at all yeah sure it's a sad backstory yeah. It is a very sad backstory. Hey, one thing that's really interesting, uh, you know who plays Victor Crawley in these younger episodes, uh, when he's younger?
1: Yeah, a woman who eventually married Adam Green.
0: (laughs) Yeah, isn't that crazy? Yeah. Oh (laughs) man,
1: Riley, or Rileya Riley,
0: Vanderbilt. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's that's wild. I know, that's crazy. (laughs) Um, So they come across this old house, which Mary Beth tells them was Victor Crawley's old house. Oh, actually, one other question for you. Um, I thought the flashback implied that Victor Crawley was killed on Halloween. Is that right?
1: Yes, it, it was Halloween night. That's true.
0: And so, if they're talking about his ghost coming back and, like, this being his night, are we to assume that this is also Halloween night? I did not gather that he came back, like, once a
1: night. I just thought it was all, like, these are his woods. Like
0: Oh, got it. He just Anytime hangs out of your baby. Got it. Okay, okay. He's... 365, yeah. day or night. Yeah, he's around there. Okay. He's got uh, a
1: diamond necklace that says 365.
0: <laughs> yeah, right or die. Uh, they come across this old house, and despite Mary Beth's warning, this elderly couple decide to go to the house to seek help for the husband's injured leg, and suddenly Victor Crawley pops out, and he rages hell on them. He kills the couple, gruesomely ripping the woman's head apart. Mary Beth shoots Victor Crowley before running away. What did you think of this scene? This
1: was quite the uh, special effects display, especially so he hacks the guy's arm off and basically hacks his torso in half, but then he grabs a woman's face and kind of like from the mouth, you know, he grabs at the jaw and rips it wide open. And you see yeah. like the tongue flopping around and stuff. Yeah. For being all practical effects, this is just. Gnarly. Like it really is. John isn't it? Carl Beagler's team did a great job. It yeah. is gross and horrific and funny and entertaining.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And over the top. I also feel like uh, how Victor called even comes onto this scene just feels like very like a haunted house. Like suddenly, like the volume jumps up and, and he's there kind of like screaming and then runs at them. It, it just like the, the presence was like immediately felt that, like, oh shit, this person's here now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was. And I also like the way they went about, like, introducing the house because the tour guide was like, oh, no, we already passed the house. And then our main Mary Beth, the one who's the local and knows the story, and goes, that wasn't the house because... That is, and
0: it like cuts to the house. <laughs> there might yeah. as well have been like a dun dun dun. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> I don't know if that was intentionally humor humorous or not, but it was kind of funny. I
0: yeah yeah. I I think that's what makes this movie funny. Is like a lot of the humor isn't like over the top, but like intentional. It's uh, sure. more just like kind of funny uh, behaviors. Yeah yeah. Uh, so now uh, they all run away. Um, Doug, who's the movie director for the was it Bayou Beavers or? Beavers of Bayou the Bayou? Beavers, that's right. Oh, Beavers right? Yeah. Uh he gets surprised attacked by Victor Crawley, who I think twists his head off. Um later Victor Crawley then surprises the rest of the group and attacks them, this time taking oh, what do you what do you call that saw? Um what, what type of like saw is a that? Buzz saw? Is it a buzz saw? That's what it's called called?
1: Circulus, circular saw?
0: Yeah, yeah, circular saw, yeah, yeah, right. Uh, to the mouth of Jenna, who's one of the actresses, uh, cutting her mouth open, which is pretty gross. Um, the tour guide tries to intervene, but gets decapitated with the shovel, while Jenna gets impaled on a pole. Um, I, again, I thought these were like pretty cool deaths. What, what did you think?
1: Yeah, yeah, all very good. Yep. Especially, yeah, the, the buzz saw to her face. After... We see that and kind of see her fall away, but then you get another look at her face because she's still alive, is, right? Yeah, well, yeah. she's still alive, and it is gnarly.
0: It is, yeah, like her jaw's like dripping down. Yeah, <laughs> it's gross stuff. Yeah, it's gross. yeah. These guys aren't aren't holding back at all on on the the gore here. It's it's pretty good. Yeah. Um, the remaining group decides it's time to go on the offensive and it's time to light Victor Crowley on fire. So they break into the shed. And But while Ben is looking for gas, uh, Victor Crawley shows up and dismembers Misty and throws her body at him. The group wrestles with him a bit, and they're able to douse him in some gasoline and set him on fire. But as soon as they do so, it starts to rain, and they realize that he's going to come back, and they make a run for it. Hey, was it bothering you how often like the rain would come on and off?
1: Um, it bothered me here because I thought he was under a roof as it started to rain. That's true too. Yeah, <laughs> that should not have been coming there. <laughs> but I guess you know it could have been a a misty. roof. But it was it was coming right through. But yeah. I don't know. That's just a a weird blocking thing. Maybe it was I misunderstood where the, where I was in space.
0: But sure. No, that that's fair. But also like when they were on the boat, like suddenly it started raining. Like I feel like thunder would randomly come and go uh, at like specific like plot points in this film. Um, it was kind of overused.
1: Yeah, I could see it. I could see the weather being pretty sporadic down there in the bayou, though. That's true,
0: in the bayous. (laughs) For how much I clearly know about that (laughs) area. With those three sides of water and the one land. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's all kinds of crazy weather patterns. (laughs)
1: Um, Dude, so Kane Hodder is set on fire here. Do you remember that in our Friday the 13th, part seven episode? He set a world record for the longest uninterrupted full body burn shown on uh, screen. Oh yeah, right, He was right. on fire for
0: 44 seconds befe-
1: before being put out.
0: Right, right. Damn, Poor yeah, guys always got to be set on fire for <laughs> these movies. <laughs> I think he's got to think for it. Um he does he does like a lot of his own stunts, right? Yeah, and he was the stunt coordinator for this movie if we
1: we may not have mentioned that yet.
0: No, oh, no, yeah, I forgot that. Yeah. Cool. Uh, yeah, so he's on fire here again, but the rain comes in. So uh, now we're down to three survivors Ben, Mary Beth, and Marcus. Um, so they're on the run. They make it to the cemetery where they're again faced off with Victor Crawley, who shows up and chases them around. This time he grabs Marcus and rips his body apart, um, but not before puking on Ben. Uh, Mary Beth and Ben escape, but as they're running towards a boat, uh, Ben also pukes. I guess a lot of this puke was also real. Wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, as I was watching it, I was like, I don't know of a way they're doing that without it
1: being real. Yeah. Because not only was Ben barfing here looking really real, but earlier they walked by a girl puking on the streets of Mardi Gras and oh. that looked really real too. <laughs> oh my God. Because <laughs> normally Dude. they kind of cut so that you're like, okay, that person had something in their mouth and they spit it out. Yeah. But right, they right. lingered on it long enough that it's like, oh, things are just... Still coming up. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't think she could have had yeah. that tucked away somewhere. I think they're really puking. That's pretty this is gross.
0: Yeah, this is all like really realistic puke. And That's I, I one guess... thing
1: I really don't like to see in a movie. Same.
0: People it's, puking. It's disturbing. It's surprising how disturbing it is. Do you I, remember really... that scene in the sandlot? Oh, no, I don't. I used no. to fast forward through it. Oh, okay.
1: They all go on this ride after doing some chewing tobacco, and they just barf <laughs> everywhere.
0: They all barf. Yeah, and I uh, mean it's
1: very outrageous and over the top, so it doesn't look real, but yeah. Oh, it's so
0: gross. Oh man, yeah, it's hard to watch, and then especially this one when they're actually puking. That that's yeah, I, I don't,
1: up. I don't care to see that.
0: Yeah, right, right. It's gross. I guess like uh, uh, Ken Hodder has that skill where he can puke on command. Kane Hodder can. Kane Hodder can. Yeah. Okay, man, what can he do? I know, I know. can do a lot of things. I'd like um, to see
1: before he retires from acting a movie where he pukes for real while he's on fire.
0: Oh, boy. Combining those two skills. <laughs> 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 yeah, double whammy. Um, so they run towards the boats, and uh, Victor throws this rod at them, and it lands in Ben's foot, makes him stuck in the ground. Victor runs towards him, but Ben and Mary Beth are able to bend the pole, impaling Victor on it and again they think they have him and Ben and Mary Beth make it to the boat and as they start to think they're in the clear Mary Beth suddenly gets pulled into the water by an unseen force she then sees a hand, she sees Ben's hand reaching into the water and grabs it but when she comes aboard she realizes Victor Crowley had ripped Ben's, Ben's hand off and is in the boat now she screams and the movie ends uh, this ending caught me by surprise. How, how, how are you feeling about it?
1: That was such a baller move to rip someone's arm off and then stick it in the water <laughs> yeah. as a form of like comfort and escape. Like, <laughs> here's know. your friend's arm. Nope. I'm holding <laughs> your friend's <laughs> yeah, arm. I know. It, that awesome. Yeah. Uh, that was cool. But then the absolute abrupt ending here where you see her get pulled out. We reveal that Ben's arm has been cut off. His throat is cut open. Mm-hmm. and then we look again at uh, Victor Crowley's face, and then the movie just ends.
0: <laughs> it just like cuts like, to black.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I think it, that wouldn't have necessarily been a terrible approach, but the music and the like, the production around it and cinematography, everything, it didn't really look like that was the intent. Like it didn't build it seems up. Like, it was yeah. just like it, if it would have been like, a rising score and maybe a jump cut of a closer view of his face right then it cuts out it would have felt like more final and oh that's how they chose to end the movie but i rewound it because i was like oh i think my tv messed (laughs) up
0: (laughs) yeah it's way too abrupt can 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 something be too abrupt is that a is that a critique because i i feel like uh it surprises you because i i felt the same thing like uh holy shit that can't (laughs) be the ending but like holy that's a great surprise
1: i feel like, this is
0: (laughs) something I say in bed.
1: (laughs) (laughs) A debate. Well, can something really be too abrupt? Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's abrupt, and then there's like awesome. The back argument is, I just would have liked a build-up
0: to it. Yeah, exactly. Let me know it was intentional. Some kind of climax coming. (laughs) I I thought that was like so so, like sharp because like yeah, it totally like fucks with the audience. It it surprises you. No, no, I, I totally disagree. What I feel like it uh, like w- w- like you would have wanted because uh, that that would have been more stereotypical if it would have like been a buildup and then cut then it would have been like oh yeah that that makes sense it was getting climatic or the volume was building up but this way it totally takes you by surprise.
1: Yeah, but this is not an avant-garde movie. This is an homage <laughs> to slashers of the eighties. Yeah. It, and in a movie where the production is not that great and you can like the effects are really good. I, I, I'm tempted to use the expression of like, you can see the zipper on the back of the monster's outfit. You can't, the monsters all look great, but you know, it's not very immersive of a movie. You can mm-hmm. kind of like tell this, this is a movie being made because <laughs> yeah, it's just, you know, it's done kind of on the cheap. Some of the acting isn't great. Right. That's not really a movie where you can like pull something like this in because those cues you're already getting from like, okay, this is kind of a, um, bootstrap type production was the then it makes you think was that a mistake? Did they just run out of time and money? Yep. and they couldn't go back and redo that scene, and that that's what they had that's yeah, yeah, right. I think if this was a more controlled movie that was like a masterful touch, and this isn't meant to as an insult to the director, but just this is the this is the budget, this is the type of movie it was in. If it was like done with a masterful touch. And then they did that, it would be like, Oh, that was a very deliberate choice. But yeah. In this kind of movie you're left wondering, was that intentional?
0: At least I was. Interesting. Yeah, you know, like I feel like we've seen this movie go into different places. It's it's been emotional and cheesy with the flashback. It's been scary with like some of the attacks. It's gone over the top with the gore. Uh I I gotta think this was intentional that like he just wanted to like Stun audiences and be like, whoa, what What just happened? Like, is this the end? And, and like surprise, because I mean, he easily could have ended it there and like not had this attack and put some cheesy ending together. Right. I or think like you're some probably right.
1: I think it was intentional. I basically am just saying I don't think he had earned the viewers trust enough to pull a stone mm. like that
0: at the end. <laughs> sure. Sure. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I guess. I mean, but th- that's that's what makes it so shocking, and and that's what what I think like makes it so earned is because it's unearned. It's 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 just this is crazy catch. Like if if you uh, if you take people by surprise by not like prepping them for this, then you mission accomplished. Uh, I, don't, I, don't <laughs> I still know.
1: feel like this is a, a post-coital discussion we're having. <laughs> yeah, I know. I have the notes written down <laughs> You for hadn't this. convinced <laughs> me you had a mastery of what was happening <laughs> yeah. enough to do
0: what you just did. <laughs> you got to appreciate the art for what it is. <laughs> yeah. <you know? laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, 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 I don't know. Like I, Throughout this whole movie, I mean, uh, I, like. would you say uh like I, I think one of the things this movie does is it, it's not like too formulaic i mean there's a lot of like as you mentioned like a lot of tributes to, like old films and like uh the characters are like following on tropes and stuff but um i as you think about like where the movie surprises you uh like i feel like this ending is like one of the biggest surprises of like where it cuts out
1: yeah, I just don't think of that as a good surprise. I don't think <laughs> of that as a like, structural surprise. Sure. Or it's not impactful. It's just the weird WTF moment.
0: Got it. Got it. Yeah, yeah.
1: But I think the movie is simultaneously extremely formulaic, and I kind of hear what you're saying about it not being formulaic. You don't get many first-person views of Victor lurking in the woods or anything you they don't even bother with suspense really mm-hmm. it's kind of just like here he is again and he's yeah. fucking everybody up like yeah. hard and disturbingly gruesomely not really disturbing because it's just so over the top that it's not really a splatstick but it's just egregious enough that yep. it's it's just a special effects showcase so it's not necessarily formulaic on that front, but otherwise, I think it's pretty formulaic. People go into the woods. Mm-hmm. Somebody has been living there their whole life with a tragic backstory. Other kids made fun of them. Yeah, and
0: that person takes them
1: down. It's extremely formulaic,
0: right? Plot, plot. I agree. Yeah, plot is pretty formulaic. I, I think where it veers off the formula though is those like character interactions and those uh, conversations, the dialogue, and then yeah, the kills uh, feel like that they they veer off uh, from like what we're typically used to in these types of films. Sure. I mean, this is like what some of those Friday
1: the 13th movies were trying to aspire to if the MPAA hadn't totally yep. butchered them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, yeah. So it, it, it's cool. that eh? he, he was, able to kind of do this in his vision. Um, so yeah, I, I guess, okay. What, what are your overall thoughts? Like what, what do you think worked in this film? What What didn't work for you? I think the acting was a mixed bag. Like some of the side characters didn't,
1: give great performances but then like I don't know some of it seemed okay towards the end and as it, once you got going like Joel David Moore was pretty decent uh, Tamara Feldman who played Mary Beth I think she was actually pretty good like she yeah. was maybe the best actor in the bunch in my opinion mm-hmm. um, so with those two as the core of the story it was kind of helped you overlook some of the other underwhelming acting um, yep. There was also just a lot of humor that did not land for me at all. Um, like they just kept trying to milk the same joke of these
0: women being stupid. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <that's>, <laughs> I actually thought they're really smart. I, I never felt like they're really stupid. The, oh man, that, that one conversation like I'll call the police and have them bring the cops in. <laughs> and, like, make two, and, and like that one woman like thinking they have the same thing and then that, that, that one other that's stupid wo- I mean, she, how can I, you think they're smart that was <laughs> the joke was that she was so stupid uh, she thought the police were different than the cops I mean I thought she made some valid points like they're two different names like wh- wh- why are they called two different things like maybe there's a separate unit of cops that oh, come oh man <laughs> I, I think okay okay, okay.
1: <laughs> you are the Bayou Beavers yeah. women that's you, my
0: audience this yeah. is the closest
1: you've come to seeing yourself Depicted on exactly, on
0: film. <laughs> dude. The, the, the other woman, like, uh, she's all about going to NYU, and then there's like a character turn where she's like, Oh, I was lying this whole time, and everyone everyone's NYU actually went to some other school, which I think the director actually went to.
1: Yeah, I didn't realize, I didn't quite know what you said, but then I saw that he went to. A school called Hofstra, and that's yeah. what she said. Yeah, Yeah. So so that I, was I, like an in joke. a dig it himself.
0: Yeah, and and like the the cell phone, the ringer was. Uh, I don't want to wait. Uh, that song from like Dawson's Creek, I think. <laughs> from Paula Cole. <McCool. laughs> yeah, from Paula Cole. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't, I don't, they never struck me as stupid. They I, I thought they were like uh, pretty funny for their times. Okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and maybe the cops are the people the police call <laughs> when there's something they can't handle. <laughs> Have you ever thought about this? <laughs> I'm sorry, you called the police. You want the cops? Yeah, let me exactly. give you the number. We we'll put you on hold for a second. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, yeah. So uh, yeah, the humor didn't always land with you. Then that's that. That, that that's that's a weakness for you. Yeah, correct. And,
1: you know, as much as maybe there were some humorous moments that came from the characters interacting with each other, like the disparate type characters, you know, the sweet old couple interacting with the Bayou Beavers ladies, but a good chunk of the dialogue and character interactions was just bitching at each other the whole time about, Mm -hmm. no, we're doing the wrong thing. Don't do that. Like, you're stupid. And it just got really old and nobody had a great arc, which I wasn't quite expecting from this movie, so right, it's not like a giant disappointment or anything, but they could have done more than just bitched each other the whole time. That was time that the movie spent on something, and I feel it could have been spent elsewhere.
0: That's a good point. Yeah, once like the violence kicks in, it is mostly them just kind of ripping each other apart, except you do get that uh, scene where they're like, uh, kind of, like, telling their truths, right? Like, one, they figure out, like, that one director was just, like, a dude who worked for, as, as, like, a salesman. He wasn't actually, like, a film director. And, uh, I, I guess that one girl had, like, fallen for that a few times, and then the other one, the college thing. So, uh, but yeah, otherwise, you're right. They're, they're mostly just kind of bickering, or, or, like, planning around, like, how to get out of it. Um, there's some arc. Uh, I feel like the one emotion you do feel is Mary Beth and, She's obviously hit with sadness because she recognizes her brother and father have died. So uh, Yeah, they wh- find their dead bodies in, in Crowley's place. And, and and that hits her later on in the film. You, you didn't appreciate that aspect?
1: Yeah, I think she shows some genuine emotion here. And so, yeah, I think that, that her acting is the strongest then. And there is a little bit of a relationship between um, the main dude and her and when they're in the boat. Afterwards, he's like, Hey, I want to thank you for sticking with me back there because she really could have easily left him. Yeah. His foot was stuck to the ground and she stood right next to him as Victor approached. So right. that was kind of a touching moment there that was rapidly destroyed when Victor pulled her out of the boat. Um, yeah. I, I, I'm not saying it was a total whiff, but mm-hmm. I wasn't super impressed with that stuff sure again wasn't totally expecting to yep but just those are the facts
0: yeah that makes sense uh and yeah i I hear like uh i feel like ben uh he is our main character in the beginning and we know he's going through this breakup that's like literally never brought up again uh except for like a reason like maybe why they're on this boat to begin with but outside like yeah i I guess i've expected that storyline to come back into place at some point
1: yeah, uh, sure. They could have done that a little stronger. Did you notice yep. the score just like totally didn't fit sometimes? There was like sweeping adventure music.
0: Yeah, every once in a while that just felt very out of place. Sure. Yeah, it did. I thought that was part of the comedy. Uh, <laughs> it, it was <laughs> like the, the score and the thunder and like the sound effects sometimes. Uh, yeah,
1: that just it, that struck me as just off. The, yeah, it made it feel a little cheap.
0: Yep. Yep. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you on the on the weaknesses. Like there's definitely like a cheapness uh to the production. Uh, I to me like lighting the whole time. Like it's so bright when they're wandering around in the swamp. It's almost like there's like a spotlight on them where like you can see like where the lighting's coming from that just feels unnatural. Um and then I agree with you on like some of the acting and uh um the the, the uh the character lack of character arc sometimes.
1: Yeah. One uh another moment I wanted to call out that gotta I- audible chuckle from me is after they impale uh victor crowley with the spear that's also impaling our main character's foot he like falls into the spear and he's like dead for a moment and then just coughs up blood right in (laughs) the main dude's face why can't you remember this main guy's name ben yeah that was good comedic timing i I chuckled pretty hard
0: yeah because that was like twice that he like peeked in his face or something right
1: yeah, I would have preferred more humor like that rather than the dialogue. Like, <laughs> your nipples are stupid type dialogue between them.
0: <laughs> no kidding. I love the, the dialogue uh, comedy. You like the more uh, physical blood <laughs> being coughed on someone comedy? I
1: do. I, I think in, in horror, I well, I like both. But I think I just thought that it wasn't working hmm. in the script, like the dialogue comedy and the... Uh, couple times the splat stick type stuff did work for me
0: sure uh another big like driver of the comedy here is the tour guide uh whose name is sean and like yeah this whole time he's like talking with like this exaggerated southern accent and then suddenly we find out that he's like from detroit and he just like moved down there like a day or two before so he's like this big fraud uh i i kind of found that to be pretty hilarious but what were your thoughts
1: yeah, no, I didn't. As a plot mechanism, it works
0: fine, but I didn't find any humor there. Interesting. Okay, so Brian's sense of humor, uh, more around blood being caught in people's faces than smart jokes. They're okay.
1: just, they're, uh, <laughs> their jokes just weren't that smart to me. <laughs> this is where we've yeah. disagreed in the past, though humor. And yeah. humor is so hard to define or even review. Like, all you can say is, <laughs> I didn't find that funny, or like, the joke yeah. wasn't funny. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, maybe people who are trained in comedy could better articulate why a joke is or isn't funny. Yeah. But the humor didn't really land very often to me in this movie.
0: That's so interesting. Because, yeah, I mean, like, you'll watch a movie, like, uh, what is it? Um, What's that movie? That zombie movie? That was really dumb. Um, Oh, The Dead Don't Die? No, the other... Army of the Dead? No, the other... One, uh... Return two, of the Living Dead. Return of the Living Dead, yeah. And you'll, like, find that hilarious, right? And, yes. and I wouldn't understand any of those jokes, and then this one will, like, crack me up, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's not your style. So, yeah, I, I guess it's very, like, stylistically preference. Or, yeah, yeah, we're, individual yeah preferences. we're on a
1: little bit of different pages with our humor.
0: Yeah, we'll, we'll get there someday. Yeah. Uh, cool. Um, given the genre of this film, uh, so, yeah, it's, obviously it's not very original, but, um, like, what... What like I mean yeah what's what's your what's the max like potential a film like this can have like can it be like an amazing film or because it's kind of like paying tribute and yeah doing so in like kind of a a two thousand six type of way like can it be like an amazing film?
1: That's a really good question, and I feel like that maybe comes down to like the crux of my review. Like a movie like this, an homage to a nineteen eighties slasher almost like to a summer camp slasher really it's not a summer camp but it's kind of very similar to like the burning in Friday the 13th mm-hmm. I could never see it going higher than like a four for me yeah. just because it's hard to achieve any sort of greatness with that kind of movie unless you've got some other angle like the final girls right that yeah to me takes it to a whole new place it brings sure. in a whole nother element But so when I go into this movie, I'm not expecting much. Yep. And as a result, even though I'm talking negatively about it in some regards, it delivered in what I was basically expecting. Like, incredible kills, great special effects work, the kind of stuff that Friday the 13th actually couldn't deliver us because they were blocked by the MPAA at every turn. And it delivered on that front. And Victor Crowley was a vicious killer who just stomped onto the scene like a madman. And we never saw these silly, like, demystifying shots of him, like trying to guess which person, which way a person was gonna go. Mm -hmm. We didn't see too much of him. We didn't see too little of him. There was a certain intensity to which, with which he approached the victims. And it kind of worked like, hey, you know what? This isn't going to be an exercise in suspense. It's not going to be the opening sequence of Scream. All we can do and all we're intending to do is just have this guy be a vicious killer who rips people apart. And that's what they did. So props to it for that. It kind of worked to not even bother with
0: the suspense building. Oh, sure. And just have him pop up here and there. Yeah, because yeah. it's, I
1: feel like I'm talking about a, out of both sides of my mouth, because that's always my complaint with the Friday the 13th movies, but he just came on with more intensity
0: I agree. than yeah. other villains do. He does, yeah. He just like pops up and it's like immediately very intense.
1: And it's just so over, it's not even just like, in a Friday the 13th movie, it'd be like, guys, where is everybody? <laughs> then, oh, there's Jason. He raises yeah. a weapon in his hand and it comes down. Maybe you see a shot of the gore, right? But in this one, it's just like Straight they're walking the along, line. walking along, and it's like, oh shit, here he is! And yeah. then Just <laughs> everyone's eviscerated for an yeah. extended sequence.
0: So. Yeah. Do you remember that scene? Like, I feel like they're standing in like a field, and she like points like in a direction. Let's go that way. And suddenly, like, pops up like right in front of her finger. Yeah. <laughs> there was no way he could have been there without anyone noticing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It kind of had like but some. But in a scoop way, it idea. worked better. Yeah, yeah. It had like kind of the comedic effect, but it, yeah, it, it hit the same way, right? It's this is pretty good yeah and then there was a yeah. scene
1: where they're like oh something's in that bush and you know it's like gotta be a small animal and right. you're like okay this is just gonna be a comedy scene but then he's in the other bush on the other side and it's <laughs> yeah. just like whoop and then he just starts destroying them
0: yeah. stuff like that yeah. was
1: it was done well in a strange way
0: I agree. I agree. Yeah, that, 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 that's my feeling too. Is like you're you're starting with like a a foundation of movies that aren't so great, and you're kind of like amping up what they should have. Like, yeah, Friday the Thirteenth. Like you want to see that kind of thing in in those movies. Like a lot of gore, like really cool kills, um, or like a, when the bad guy comes on, like it's like super charged up, and that's like kind of exactly what this film brought with an added element of like amazing dialogue and comedy.
1: Yeah, right. Like I feel like if a movie is doing the kills well and they want to do that suspense vibe like you gotta telegraph it it's just part of it but then you know you gotta there's a complicated dance you've gotta dance to make it work mm-hmm. what some of the Friday the 13th movies do is telegraph it then here it comes it's just yeah, like exactly. so you, <laughs> yes. you always kind of know but yep. this one doesn't really telegraph it And in a way, it makes it more suspenseful, because you're just like, well, at any given time, he's just going to step right onto the screen and annihilate people. It
0: surprises you. Yeah. Just like the abrupt ending, right? Nice try. (laughs) I think that's where you're going with this. But I still don't think that works. (laughs) All right. all right. And tonight,
1: Uh, I expect better from you.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, what do you think? Should we jump to the rating, or anything else you wanted to call out? Let's do it. Oh, actually, one more thing. Uh, we talked about this in Wrong Turn, Hillbilly Horror. Um, I think there was an element of that here. And when you talk about, like, the uh, characters not being so smart, I mean, I think it's kind of cool because they call out that where, um, yeah, I think one of the the actresses are saying, like, oh, it's probably someone, like, in the woods who's, like, lived here. Um, and then Mary Beth, who is, like, a local, is like, no, it's probably one of you city folk. So I, I thought it was kind of cool, like throwback or, or like kind of uh, 180 on uh the yeah natural hillbilly horror oh i see
1: yeah like she was like the hillbilly among them and being insulted by some of
0: their yeah stereotypes yeah even mm. though it ended up being one of them but yeah
1: <laughs> yeah i mean that feels like a stretch i didn't really get the city versus country vibe of hillbilly horror here as much as hmm. i would have otherwise
0: I mean, they're all tourists except for Mary Beth. So you do have a bunch of people who, like, yeah, are like on their cell phones or uh, trying to, like, yeah, don't know where they are. So they're, yeah. there's that kind of, like a lost feeling.
1: I don't think she seemed all that much more capable than the rest of them. She's also super hot, which kind of like throws a <laughs> wrench in the whole like, sure. all the locals are backwards and yeah, uh, deficient and deformed. Like, that's yep. not really what we're seeing here. Sure. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think that's Grassman and Strauss trying to pull something through there.
0: I, You know, I, I do like her as a final girl, and I, I think she got a lot of agency. Like, uh, if anything, I feel like Ben, I know the movie starts out with him, and he's like the main character. I feel like he kind of falls away, and she's like the one with the handgun. She's the one shooting and attacking a lot of the times. Uh, obviously, at the end, like, she's she's like the one with an arm, with both arms still. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I kind of like that. Like, she was given, like, kind of the the headline act here.
1: Would have been an interesting movie if we started from her perspective.
0: Yeah, yeah, that would have been really cool. I mean, technically, we do start with her family, right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah,
1: I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it wouldn't have been a better movie, but that could have okay. been kind of interesting.
0: Yeah, sure, sure. All right, well, are you ready to jump to the rating then? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Uh, rating scale-wise, uh, how many uh, Kane Hodder real pukes would you give this one
1: Uh, I give this 3 out of 5 Kane Hunter real pukes it's got it's weaknesses for sure but at the end of the day it delivered on what I was expecting on I feel like my ratings a lot of times lately have been around expectations and Mm -hmm. this met my expectations so I give it a 3 it's got some weaknesses for sure but the kills are great and that's kind of what you expect from a movie like this
0: Right, right. That, that's so interesting, man, because uh, I, I feel the same. Like, I went into this with pretty low expectations, but my viewing experience, I feel like uh, you got so much more than what you went into this with. Like, I, I didn't expect the level of uh, amazing gore or the comedy or, or, or like, the, the dialogue or the wit around there. So, yeah, I, I came out with uh, four uh, of Kane Hodder's actual vomiting. Because, yeah, I think this was, like, a really witty script, uh, a fun character ensemble, and I thought Kane is like, kind of this hulking villain gives, like, a really fresh feel to, you know, a very familiar story that we've seen how many times in other films, but, like, this one amped up, like, all the parts that I think were missing in those films that make this type of genre really enjoyable. I am blown away by that. <laughs> I'm blown away by your three, man. Uh, I Maybe, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> We have a reputation
1: for not loving slashers, and I think people have been a little bit baffled by me lately going a little bit higher on them, but I think I've gotten used to them and I've adjusted expectations and I'm appreciating them more for what they are. Same. So I felt like my three was pretty high because I was between two and a half and three on this one. Yeah. But for you to go all the way to four, I'm pretty mind blown.
0: Yeah. I And you've been
1: more down on some of the slashers than me.
0: I I feel like we both are, like, warming up to, like, Friday the 13th, um, and, uh, trying to think of, like, The Burning, I think we we both enjoyed, um, I, I think this is just, like, a, a, like, one of those, like, done right, like, this is what, like, Friday the 13th should have been.
1: I agree, I agree, but at the same time, it has some weaknesses that Friday the 13th movies don't always have. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know I, I agree with you though and that's why I gave it a 3 which is higher than I give a lot of Friday the 13th
0: sure know. sure yeah yeah alright well yeah I, yeah. the the comedy angle for, for this one really hit me uh, I, I think it hit my brand and uh, yeah uh, fun, fun to see these uh, characters all coming together we haven't done many horror
1: comedies lately, so we should do some more and see if we find ourselves disagreeing more.
0: <laughs> we should. I love when we argue about comedy. It's just like it's this awkward. So
1: stupid, and <laughs> it's probably know. horrible to listen to. I
0: know. One of us gets a There's it the nothing ones. intelligent
1: you can say about why something's funny or not funny.
0: <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, yeah, I, I wish there was like a science we could hit on there. I don't think people but. listen to us for intelligence anyway, so That's we're probably true. safe there. <laughs> Good call. All right, well, uh, anything else? What, what do you think? Would you check out the rest of the franchise, or are you... Yeah, I'm confused? into it. I, I'd watch the rest of them. Okay. Okay, yeah. Me too. I'm, I'm interested. I actually have heard that the second film picks up right here at your abrupt ending that you're disappointed about. Okay. So, uh, maybe that can explain where why, why this one ends the way it does. All right. But, who knows? If you uh, say so. Yeah. Any, anything else? That's all I got. All right. that's going to wrap up our discussion on hatchet if you enjoyed our episode please leave us a five star rating on apple podcasts that's going to help other people find our show and we always appreciate the feedback if you want to join the discussion you can find our social links on horrormovieclub.com or you can shoot us an email at podcast at horrormovieclub.com we're going to announce next week's movie on facebook and instagram in case you want to watch it before the next episode we're also on discord where you can find us and other horror fans talking about the genre you can find the link to that on our website our logo is by amy may pop art you can find her on etsy.com as well as some cool merchandise for our show so highly recommend checking that out and until next time if you're considering taking a boat ride through a bayou assuming you figured out what a bayou is uh check yelp for reviews before walking into some random place that tony todd told you to walk into
1: yeah, 2006. I don't know if Yelp existed yet. Yeah, those phones. around the birth like... of Yelp, I thought it was about 2006. You're
0: probably right, yeah. It didn't look like they had, like a lot of smartphones then either. No, might have, might have no. I mean,
1: people had phones, but smartphones I don't think happened until 2007, 2008.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, damn. Alright, that can be overlooked then. Yeah, you gotta trust Tony Todd. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Local guy